when we were doing the um, last post and just having that time of reflection, I was thinking about the soldiers. This has got nothing to do with my word, by the way. Um, I was thinking about the soldiers and feeling almost like how can we impact the soldiers? How can we? And then I thought about collectively throughout this world, all the churches that will have taken that moment and prayed for them. You see, we may not, oh, actually, it does tie in with my word, I didn't realize. We may not, <laughs> boom, there you go. We may not actually be able to go and help the soldiers, but I'll tell you something, the Spirit of God can. And I just began to pray that for all those prayers that were being lifted up from all over this world, from all the Christians, from the, 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 the churches that were lifting up the name of Jesus as we were praying for the soldiers, I just started to pray for their eyes to be unveiled and for them to experience things in a different way. And I thought, if I'm praying that, how many others have? So I'm believing there's going to be testimonies from Remembrance Sunday today. We shouldn't just make it a ritual. It's something that I believe we should honor, absolutely. Um, excuse me if my pop is skew with. Vicky has told me it is. Um, <laughs> but I believe it is something we should honor, but I believe it's a powerful time because it's like when we get around communion, isn't it? And we remember Jesus all the time, but there's something about when you stop and you remember um, so I just wanted to share that. So Friday night found me at the gym. Um, you know, I don't like exercise. I'm not good at it. Bit of self -praise, but I believe I'm getting better. Bit of self-praise. Am I getting better, Barry? Thank you. <laughs> who, who shouted, Esther, was that you? I could always rely on you for encouragement, Esther. Thank you, sister. So if, you, if you're new here today, we're so thrilled that you're here. You will see that we're a very relaxed church and that we're all friends and we're all family. So this is why we can share our highs and our lows. And so you know about my treadmill experience. I have a treadmill off Vicky. Um, she clearly thought I needed help. So <laughs> I was gifted a treadmill from Vicky and Johnny. We did that and we're doing that. And then Barry bought me lady weights. I mean, that's just rude, lady weights. So I have lady weights now, and he just tells me I've got to keep going with the lady weights. Anyway, now my journey finds me at a gym. And on a Friday night, I was encouraged by somebody I've not seen for a few years, but is also a member of the gym, to join her in an exercise class. Right, this is my history of exercise classes. When I was about 18, 19, me and a friend, we went to a class called High Energy. Like, and neither of us were like sporty. Neither of us were energetic. We, we like to get, um, you know, sit and watch a film. So, but we went to this class called High Energy, and we were in it. We, it was a massive sports hall. And about 15, 20 minutes into it, we were like looking at each other thinking, crikey, this is really hard work. This isn't like, no time for chatting and socializing in this class. So they said we were going to lap the sports hall, right? We're going to lap it. We're going to run around the sports hall. So we're stood next to each other. And we're like, right, what we'll do, right, this is the honest truth. What we're going to do is, as we begin to run, when we get near the door, as everybody runs round, we're just going to run out. <laughs> this was our plan. This was the escape route, which is just what we did. And we know what? We looked the part. We really did. Anybody who looked at us and thought, these are really fit because of everything we were wearing. So we start off with the run, and we're like, we're getting nearer the door, nearer the door, and excitement's brewing in. And we do it. We run. We just keep running out the door as everybody else runs around. <laughs> we were free. We did not need to complete the other 40 minutes of high energy until we got to the car and my friend went, I've left my keys. 
I've left my keys in the class. And I'm going, will you look up looking and get them, Kathy? And she's saying, we'll go in together. And I'm going, I am not. Anyway, we, we kind of went in and just went, bent down and picked them up and just walked back out like this. They must have, like, we never went back. And I think if we had, we'd have been thrown out. So the other night did not find me in high energy, but the other, other night found me in a class called Body Balance. Okay. Talked into it, Body Balance. And talked into it and encouraged to go with this friend. It's absolutely great. I mean, you'd have thought I'd have learned over the years, wouldn't you? It's not great. So I go to Body Balance. And... and and, oh my gosh, like I had no idea what was going on. I got myself in the corner at the back because I don't like to be on show. And, and I'm thinking, right, okay, I can watch what everybody's doing. It was like a foreign language to me. I was asked to do the warrior pose. I was asked to do the butterfly pose. Anybody who knows me, I'm not very graceful, right? And they're trying to ask me to do a butterfly pose while standing on one leg. And I'm like, and I can't even dance. Um, there was, oh, the swan, the swan. I was asked to do the swan. And I'm like, Jess is probably knowing full well what I'm talking about. I'm trying to do the swan. And the woman at the front with the microphone on, oh, yes, dangerous when they wear a microphone at the front, is telling me where I'm getting it wrong. So by this point, I'm thinking, I'm going to take you down, love, if you keep pulling. And in fact, I did do this class once before, 18 months ago with Barry. And I ended up sat at the back of the class, not joining in like a rebellious teenager. right? So, so at least I, I, I completed. But halfway through... I'm like, okay, I need to find an escape route. <laughs> and this other friend, she's well into the class. Like, she knows full what is going on. So she isn't going to run out with me. I'm like, how am I going to get out halfway through? And I'm like, I can't. I can't just walk out. Because, like, I've got to see these people again. I've got to pretend like I know what I'm doing. I didn't know what I was doing. I looked a complete idiot. Um, but the one thing I'd done beforehand was painted my toenails. So I had the nicest toenails in class. <laughs> that was about it. But here you go. Halfway through and I'm looking at an escape route. Halfway through when I'm looking for my escape route and my escape plan, I began to watch these other women and men in the class. Even the men were better than me, right? And I'm watching these are just so graceful. And they aren't watching the instructor. I'm like trying to watch the instructor and I'm getting neck ache. I'm thinking this is doing me damage. I'm going to go out injured because of my neck. I'm like this all the time trying to watch what was going on. But some people knew the instructor so well. That just being in that room with her, just being in her presence, just listening to her voice, they knew exactly what was required and just knew exactly what was needed. The fact is, I had to constantly keep trying to strain and keep trying to work it out because I never put myself in the position of sitting in the presence of the instructor and receiving what the instructor had to give me. It was foreign and it was alien. So instead of an escape route, I began, I went all spiritual. I began to think, okay, right, I've got it. I think this class is all about balance, right? <laughs> and then I was sat there. So this is like a little conversation on my own, in my own little thing here. Every now and again, I go and get a drink of water. Because then they thought, she must be puffed out. And I'm then I'm thinking, right, okay, this class is all about balance. And then I was like, oh, good body balance. <laughs> so probably everybody else has worked that out before me. But it was all about balance. And so I started to think, you see, these people, when they were doing all the different things in the warrior pose and everything, there was a th the, 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 the ultimate thing was, was that they had their balance right. So when they needed to take a warrior pose or a warrior stance or, or a butterfly one or a swan one, whatever it was, their balance was so right that 
they could cope with whatever the instructor was telling them was required for that certain situation. And I started to think about me spiritually. And I started to think about how balanced am I in my walk with God? How balanced am I in my spiritual life? You know, do I read the Bible? Do I pray? What's my worship life like? Am I growing? Am I desiring to grow in God? Am I learning? And I started to ask myself all these questions. And as time began to fly, I'm telling you, it wasn't long before she was saying we could go home. But when I started to look at that, and I started to think about the people actually who didn't need to keep straining the neck and trying to work out what on earth am I supposed to be doing? I began to think about the time that I spent with God. And I began to think about my own walk with God and how balanced or unbalanced am I? Can I just say, if you can hear noise, it's our youth group behind us that is growing so fast. We're trying to find, uh, desperately trying to find rooms to fit them in. This is their next one. So don't worry if you can hear noise. Don't try and work out what it is. It's a, it's a good growth thing that we can hear this noise. So then I began to think about prayer. And prayer can have, I don't know whether this is the right word, but different faces in the sense of there's different requirements at different times. So sometimes you need a warrior prayer. I remember there was a time with uh, one of my sons, um, not the one that was very ill uh, last year, and the other one, the twin that plays the drums. And about four or five years ago, we got an infection in his head. It was the most random thing. thing. The doctors could not explain it. They didn't have any drugs that could treat it. They tried everything. And it, and it started here. And eventually what happened was it was flesh eating. And so it started to, he had like a... Um, part of his head almost missing here it had eaten away at it and it started to kill all the hair follicles off in his head and he began to go bald in certain places he had patches of being bald and it was awful and it, 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 he had for months and months and the doctor could just keep saying oh, I don't know what it is and the only thing they could trace it back was he asked had he been in touch with an African cow which I said I, that no I've not I've got two rabbits and a guinea pig that's that's it and a red setter because he's living at mum's I was like we haven't got an African cow they were like, that's all we can trace it back to. So we're going to treat him with an unlicensed drug. Um, it's not licensed in this country, and children shouldn't have it, but we're going we're gonna to try it. And it made him, that made him very poorly. And, um, anyway, you know, he got better. He got better. It was amazing. But he still had these bald patches on his head, and they said the illness had been so aggressive that it, it would never grow back. They, had, they, they were dead. There was, there was no hope. And I remember a good few years ago, and Jeff, I think you were the one that prayed for him. Uh, we were in the meeting, and I just felt the Holy Spirit say, there's, um, the, there's an anointing for healing here, and to ask people to come out for healing. Now, Adam was in kids' church, because uh, he was only young at the time, and I sent somebody to get him. I said, go and bring Adam in, and Jeff laid hands on him and prayed. And as Jeff laid hands on him and prayed, it, it, it was like an electric shock went through his body. And a few days later, he was walking down the stairs in front of me, and I walked down, and I looked at his head, and I thought, where's hair? So I, I got close, and it was like fine baby hair. And uh, I took him back to the doctors, and I said, I said, his hair's going back, and the doctors were like, it, it can't, it's dead, it can't. And I said, no, I said, look, look. And he was like, no, there's nothing there. And I was like, no, so he got this thing out, put it in his eye. And he looked, and he was like, you're right, you're right. And he said, and where there's life, there's hope. And Adam's hair grew back a couple of months later. So he was really well and it had been really traumatic from what he'd been through. A couple of months later, um, 
it was the night before a meeting. I was sat on the settee and I was going over my preacher the next morning and Barry was sat on the other settee and I heard dub, 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 dub down the stairs and the, the living room door flung open and Adam said to me, it's back, mum, it's back. And I said, what's back? He said, the lumps have started in my head again and it started with lumps and I felt it and sure enough, it had and his hair was thinning out and I was, I, I, you know, I said all the right things to him. I said, Adam, you've been healed. Adam, come on, it's okay. Go back to bed because you say all the right things, don't you? And I sat on the settee and I, I got my laptop in front of me and, I, the, and a fear gripped me. And I started to get really emotional and I started to dwell in it and sit in it. I remember Barry saying to me, Vicky, if God's done it, it's done. And I'm like, if that's not, he didn't even put his arm around me to say that. I'm like, how? That's not loving, is it? To just turn around and say that when I'm in my own desperate situation. So I'm sat there on my own on the settee. And then you know what? Something came over me and I got angry. And I'm not meaning I got angry as in at Barry. I didn't lunge, launch myself at Barry. But I started to get angry at the attack that was trying to take place on my son's life again. And you know what it needed? It needed a warrior prayer. And I put my laptop down. By this point, it had gone to sleep. And they were on bunk beds at this time. Bearing in mind, I'm not very grateful. I marched up them stairs and I climbed up that bunk bed ladder and I got on the bed and I, and, and I put my hand on him and I used the name of Jesus. Because at the name of Jesus, everything has to bow. So I, I put my hand on him and I didn't pray for it to go. I said, in the name of Jesus, I said, you get your hands off my son. Amen. I got down the ladder and went back down. I don't know whether I remember to stand in the living room, picked up my laptop. And I was like, I'm all right now. And just carried on. There are times that the warrior prayer is needed, okay? There's times when the thankful prayer is needed. There's times when the prayer of desperation is needed. There's times when the, almost like the fluffy prayer is needed, where you're just talking to God. You just, I, I chat with God. I chat with God as if I chat with my mom, as if I chat with my dad. I chat with him. But the one thing I want to look at today is, what about the relational prayer? Because it's okay having the thankful prayer and talking at God to be thankful and having the desperate prayer and talking at God to be desperate because you're desperate. It's okay to have all these different kinds of, of, of prayers and the certain strategies needed at different times. But what about the relational prayer? What about spending time with God prayer? So I started to ask myself, how balanced am I in my prayer life? Because this is something we're looking at in life group at the moment. So it sent me on quite a journey. Um, and, and so I started in the middle of this exercise class thinking, okay, well, how balanced am I in my prayer life? You know, okay, yeah, I've had my prayers of desperation. I've, I've had to use the warrior prayer many times. I think I'm really thankful. But how relational am I? How relational am I in my prayer life? You know, when I was in kids' church many years ago, I never thought I'd ever say many years ago. I always thought it was going to be 25. Um, there was Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3. I've always remembered it. And it says this. He used to call it the, num the phone number for heaven or the hotline for heaven. And it's this. Ask me, and I will tell you remarkable secrets you do not know about things to come. And I really used that. But all he used was ask. Prayer me.
And for years, my prayer life was so unbalanced. I mean, um, as a child, but then as I got older, I never progressed in my prayer life. I never matured in my prayer life. It was always just, oh, emergency number. Oh, call the AA. Oh, Jeremiah 33.3. I'm just going to ask God. I'm not bothered about the secrets. He's going to tell me. That's not, I'm not in it for that at the minute. I'm, I'm cool not knowing the secrets. I'm just going to ask. I'm just going to ask because I just need. But you know, the more I am around people and the more I talk to people and have done over the years, I understand that prayer can be quite an overwhelming thing for people because you can be sat in a meeting and you can hear about the warrior prayer and you're having this prayer and that prayer and the other prayer and you're like, whoa, what prayer do I use? But let me tell you, you begin to understand all of that when you have relational prayer. Because when you have relational prayer with God, then you, like the, with the instructor at the gym the other day, people weren't having to cr- do this. And I don't even know what I'm supposed to be doing. Because being in the, instru- the presence of the instructor and hearing the instructor's voice, they knew exactly what they were supposed to be doing because their prayer life had been, no, not their prayer life, because their exercise had been relational with him. And so it is with us, with God. But I know for myself, so many times I've been like cricking my neck, like, God, I'm trying to work out what is it I'm supposed to be doing? Well, you know, and I, I've learned that, pr- that p- prayer can be overwhelming for people. That sometimes they're like, I don't even know what to pray because I've heard so many people say different things. But I would say to you this, and this is what I've had to ask myself, how is your relational prayer? And I'm going to expand on what relational prayer is because it's so important. Relational prayer is the thing that will keep you in balance. Relational prayer is the thing that will help you to know what you need to do at the right time. People have said to me, do I talk to God about problems? Do I talk to God out loud? Do I talk to God in secret? Um, A big one is, do I ask God for things? It says in James chapter 4 verse 3, and even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. So here in James, it's not saying that asking God for things is wrong. What it's all about is the motive of the heart. Why is it we want the things that we do? There's loads of things I want. Loads of things I want. And I can go and ask God. Let's look at the next verse. In 1 John, it says, now this is the confidence that we have in him. And when you have relational prayer, there is a confidence in him. You know that no matter what happens, no matter what comes your way, you have a confidence in him. It says this, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So if you're sat here today thinking, I don't even know whether it's okay to ask God for things or it's fine to ask God for things. The asking isn't the issue. It's the motive of the heart and the desire of the heart. And if you have something and you want to ask God for it, here, ask him for it. He's your heavenly father. Ask him for it, but always say, God, if it's your will, if it's your will. And you know when you do that, what happens is the stance of your heart changes. The motive of your heart changes because, you see, he knows the plan for your life. And he knows the purpose for your life. And I like to think I know best about my life, but fact is, I don't. I don't. So I can ask God for A, B, C, D, and E, but it will come from my motive. It will come from my heart. But the minute I say, God, I'm just going to ask you for this, if it's your will, and then leave it in God's hands. 
And I promise you this, when you do that, you will get above and beyond what you've asked for. Because he knows the plan for your life. Is prayer important? Taking out time to spend with God can be a challenge. It can be a challenge because we all say we're busy. I'm like, I am busy. But I'm probably no busier than any of you. But with five children and running a church and these wonderful, all these buildings that have been given to us, and we have Witness Church, and I have a husband, you know. Life's busy. I don't have a cook. I don't have somebody who does me washing. I don't have somebody who does me ironing. I don't have somebody who picks up the kids' socks. Life's busy. But is it so busy that prayer isn't important? See, I think Jesus was pretty busy. Jesus was a busy, busy man. Morning and night, he had pressures and responsibilities. He had to speak to the crowds. He had to heal the sick. He had to have one-to-one meetings with people. He had to be in a place where he would always give hope and speak life. He had to travel with his job. And not on Virgin Trains. And not in a Ford Galaxy. So if you travel with your job, you're in good company because Jesus traveled with his too. He had to train people. You see, when you train people and you come in contact with people, that and alone can be stressful. But he had to train people. He had to train his disciples to continue after he had gone. He had to raise the dead. Yet Jesus made prayer a top priority. Jesus knew that he needed to be be dependent on spending time with God. That in those times where things just got so much, what did he do? He took himself away. He took himself away from the crowds. He took himself away from the busyness. And he spent time in God's presence. He spent time with the Father. The Lord's Prayer. I bet everybody in here could recite the Lord's Prayer. School was pretty good at doing that. And I could recite it like that. Our Father art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And and we used to have a little like, who could do the fastest? (laughs) The words actually didn't mean anything. Because it was something we just got brought up in doing. All different, oh, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God. And the, you know, all, we would recite prayers over and over again. But then the thing that happens is we become over familiar. We become over familiar. And the one person to set the model of prayer for us to follow would be Jesus. And Jesus did do, did do that. Jesus set an example for us to have a relational prayer, not a desperate prayer, not a warrior prayer, not just a thankful prayer. Jesus set the example of how we should have a relational prayer. Yes, the other um, spheres of prayer would come in where necessary, but to have a balance, to have a balance, we need to be relational. And I know that I lost the Lord's Prayer in the familiarity of knowing it and the religiosity of reciting it when we were asked to recite it. 
And the Lord's Prayer is a really good thing, so please don't think I'm taking away from it. But what I'm saying is, I just think it's time to stop and say, where are we at with our relational prayer? And Jesus set the model with the Lord's Prayer of being relational. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, you've got notepads and pens. We do like to encourage people to bring them on. Maybe you've got a gadget that you write on. You know, write, make some notes. What is God speaking to you? Because if you're just sat here and you're just kind of like, okay, well, we normally finish about 12 o'clock. There's probably no point you being here. I would encourage you that every time you walk through the doors of the house of God, to be ready and open to receive. Because God is active, God is living, and God is moving. And God is all speaking, and he's all powerful. And so he's going to speak to your life today as he's spoken to mine. And just be thankful yours wasn't in an exercise class when he speaks. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. I'm going to break this prayer down. It says this. So this is Jesus speaking. If you look in a Bible that has red print, you will see this is in red print because this is Jesus himself speaking. When you pray, so he's given instruction. Straight away, Jesus is given instruction. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. Now, the first thing I want to just address about this, I know that for some people that they've ended up a little bit um, mixed up thinking that praying in public is wrong or praying in church is wrong. That's not what it's about. It's go about going right back to the verses that I read at the beginning. It's about the motive of the heart. These people that Jesus are talking about, they were purposely praying in public for men's praise and men's adoration and, oh, look at them, aren't they great? So this was all, again, about the motive of the heart. You know, everything comes back to the motive of the heart. What is it that drives us? So public prayer and corporate prayer is good. It's not wrong. It's all about the heart matter, the matter of the heart. I tell you the truth. That is all the reward they will ever get because they're doing it to men. They're not doing it to God. You see, God can't give a reward when we're doing it like this and we're doing it just to impress Kim and, and sorry, Kim, and to impress Sean. If I'm like, if I'm up here and thinking, well, if I do this, I think like, or me, or me mum or Auntie Stella, they're going to be well chuffed with this word today because it's on prayer. If, if, I, if that's my motive, you know, God can't bless. God can't bless that. And that's the re only reward I'm ever going to get. Maybe a phone call from my mum later that goes, great, preach, Vicky. And that doesn't last very long. But when I stand up to preach or I pray publicly or like Adam prayed publicly, Adam's heart was completely to God. Adam's heart was being relational with God. And you see, when you're relational with God, that's the rewards and the blessing you will get will be a supernatural one will be something that man can never give you. So it's about making sure that we are aligned right. In verse 6 it says, But when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. A few weeks ago, me and mum went out for um, lunch and we went into culture. And on the way home, I talk to my mum most days on the phone. It used to be every day, but it's not every day so much now because the family used to make fun of me. They used to say, oh, she'd say, phone a friend because I'd always ring her at like 8 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and we went out, and we went out for lunch, and we went to culture, culture together, and we sat there, and we talked, and, and mum actually made reference to it, and she was so right. So much more came from that conversation than the quick, quick the phone. 
Morning, Mum. You okay? Yeah, how's everything? So much more came from sitting with each other and talking. Because it was relational. And here Jesus is saying, so, so remember what I said, all the other prayer that's needed is okay. But we're talking about relational prayer here. And Jesus is saying, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Jesus modeled this himself. Jesus would go away by himself, away from the hustle and bustle, away from the business, and he would create an environment, environment where it would just be him and God. Because for the things that, were, were lay, that lay ahead of him and the things he was having to deal with at that time, he needed that relational prayer. He needed that relationship. Because then he would hear on how to deal with those other things rather than having to crick his neck and try and work out what exactly I, am I supposed to be doing here. It says in verse 7, when you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think that their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. This is a religious stance, not a relationship stance. So with the Lord's Prayer... I think when we're doing it without actually looking at the Lord's Prayer. So for me, I was babbling on and on and on. Our Father, right, and hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, your will be done. Earth as it is in heaven, give us today as day of bread. Give us our sins, we forgive those who trust against us. Lead us not into temptation. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Done. Prayed. I haven't prayed. I've babbled. I've babbled on and on and on. And for what purpose? Did my prayer have any kind of connection with God? Did it have any kind of connection? I was saying all the right words. I was reciting what Jesus had said. But my heart, my heart, where was my heart? Where was my thoughts? Where was my trying to connect with God? So it's not even about the words we speak. It's about the relationship with the words that we speak. Verse 8, he says, don't be like them. Your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. Pray like this. So we talked before, is it wrong to ask? Do we need to ask? But it says here, your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask. So you would think there's no reason for me to go and petition God with what I need because he already knows. Let's see what this prayer says. First of all, it starts off, our Father in heaven. Connection there. When one of my kids walks in and goes, Mum, or they walk in and go, Dad, connection right there, right there. We're not just saying our Father, we're saying our Father in heaven. May your name, we're acknowledging it's his name. It's his name. Without his name, his, his name, the demons flee. His name, captives are freed. Let your name be kept holy. We are starting this prayer, bearing in mind this is the prayer that Jesus is talking about and doing in the quiet, straight away. In that, we're giving respect and honor. We are giving respect and honor because he is due that. Almighty God, creator God. He is worthy of respect and honor. So straight away we are positioning ourselves. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
okay, I'm on earth and I'm a carrier of God's will. But how do I know God's will if I'm not even relational with him? So at this point in the prayer, it's saying, may your will be done, Lord. What would you like me to do? Lord, how can I carry your will? How can I go about my day to day? And how can I impact the earth with your will? How can I carry, how can my feet walk in the correct places that you want me to walk? How can my mouth speak the words that you need me to speak so that I can be a carrier of your will and put your will out there on this earth? How can I do that, God, if I am not relational with you? In verse 8, it says, the Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask. But then in verse 11, it says, give us today the food we need. There is nothing wrong with asking God. There is nothing wrong at all. But see what's happened? The stance of our heart has already been different straight away because all, instead of going to God and doing the big ask all the time, that's all I do. I'm just asking. I'm just asking. We're saying, God, we're acknowledging who you are. God, what can we do for you? God, this is what I need. This is what I need. And then our request is about forgiveness and forgive us our sins. And then Jesus says this. And ask that the Lord would help you to forgive those who sin against you. No. He just says this. As we have forgiven those who sin against us. Ouch. I have been on a little journey this week. Myself personally. And I have had to check my heart again for unforgiveness that I haven't said about certain situations. I've forgiven them. I've forgiven them. And I'm like, I've always done that. I have forgiven them. But you know, I had to search my heart again this week. I had to search my heart as things came to the surface in in, in my own personal life and, and my journey. I had to just stop, even in this exercise class, and go, God, I would really want to stay in Africa then. Because Jesus doesn't say, ask God to help you forgive people. He just says, forgive us our sins, God, as we forgive those who sin against us. Like it's a, it's a given, that's what we should do. Because you see, when I have forgiven, I am free. I have no control over the other people. I can't control them. I tried that for years, it doesn't work. I have no control about anything else, but I do. I do have control over me and what I do. And then I am free. I am free to be relational with God. There's nothing in the way. And then verse 13 says, and don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. There, we're asking him for help again, but we're asking him to protect us. How often are we relational in our prayers? The Lord's Prayer I've broken it down into four bits. Verse 9 is saying it's all about you. All about you. Starting it outright. Let's get our stance right. It's all about you. Because we don't want to be like the ones that pray out loud for everybody to hear. It's all about you. Then in verse 10, what can I do for you, God? Because by this point, when you're in that place with him, you're in that quiet place and you've already exalted him and however you say it, however you exalt him, then you're wanting to know his will to be a carrier of it. Then in verses 11 and 12, it's what we need. It's not selfish to tell God what we need. It's not selfish to ask God for things. And then finally, we're asking you for help because we know our own frailties. We know where 
temptation can come in. We know that sometimes we can stumble and sometimes we can fall. So God, we're asking you that you protect us. You see, this prayer is relational because it's a two-way thing. And yes, God does know what we need and God does know what we, we want before we ever ask. But something happens when we ask. See, when my children come and ask me for things, I sometimes get told off and God's not going to do that to them. God never has a bad day. But when my children come and ask me for things, it can look differently. I can know they want it already. Yeah? I can know what they want. But what I want is for them to come and talk to me. Because then a dialogue is open. And then suddenly it becomes relational. And suddenly a journey begins together. Whatever that may look like. So although I already know them coming and asking or them coming and talking to me about it even though I already know and they've already been to me they may come and talk to me about it and get things off the chest whatever way it looks that moment like with me and mum when we went out together when the two came together instead of the quick phone calls or the texts when the two came together it's relational and I begin to hear the heart of the person who sat with me. And they begin to hear the part, heart of, of me as they sit with me. Relational prayer is the thing that will keep us all in balance. It's the thing that will keep us on track. Because we will know God in a greater way when we have sat in his presence. I only know the people I love so well because I spend time with them. As that will be with all of you, because I'm relational with them. I don't always agree on the decisions Barry makes over our family. And he won't always agree with me. And that's okay. That's okay. But it's about having that trust. It's about having that trust in God that no matter what, because we've got a relationship, God, I know you. And I know that your plans for me are good. And I know that you'll direct me because you've directed me before. Again, 1 John chapter 5 at the beginning says this. Now the confidence that we have in him. Where's Adam? He's there. I've been challenged where am I at in my prayer life. Am I just a warrior prayer kind of person? I just pull it out when I need it. Am I just a surface kind of person where I'll just pr pr pray surface? Am I a thankful person? And all these things are good, but without me being a relational person, they aren't going to be the things that keep me in balance. They aren't going to be the things that keep me underpinned. So Jesus said to go away and close the room, the door to the room. You know what Jesus is saying there? Create a space. Create an environment where it's just you and God. Jesus sometimes had to get in a boat <laughs> to get away from the crowds. Don't worry about what's going on behind. Jesus sometimes had to get in a boat and he had to go somewhere. Sometimes he went to the garden and he asked the disciples to keep watch. 
I'm just going to wait for the musicians to get on stage. Because I don't want anyone to miss what's being said. So Jesus knew the importance of going away. Jesus knew the importance of being secluded away from the busyness and the demands of life. You know something? The busyness and the demands of life was still there for Jesus when he came back to shore. It was all still there. And if Jesus hadn't taken himself away, he would not have been strong for coming back. And whatever life brings our way, we need a strength and we need a balance. And we need to be underpinned with a relationship with God. We need to know what it's like to rest in his presence. We need to know what it's like to exalt his name on high. We need to know what it's like to hear from him. What does that even look like? So in modern day terms, this is what I would say. Find somewhere quiet. If you struggle sitting in the quiet, put on some worship. Put on some sit Sit in the presence of God. You may sit for five minutes. You may sit for 20. You may sit for an hour before you even begin to speak. Because when you sit in the presence of God, a relationship is built. And if you've never done that before, a relationship begins. I'm not talking about salvation now. I'm talking about us growing and us maturing in God and getting to know him more than ever. So what I would say to you as I hand over to the worship team, is just ask yourself as I have with me, where am I at in my relational prayer? Where am I at? And maybe it's time to take yourself away a little bit more and begin to speak to him and build that relationship. Amen.